Secret Library podcast is made possible with the support of our generous Patreon community. Your membership allows us to continue producing this podcast for as little as $1 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash secret library. This is the Secret Library podcast. Welcome to season four, The Visible Writer. What happens when you publish your work on your own terms? How does this impact your visibility? We'll be exploring these and other questions this season. We're also excited to make this show more visible. If this episode is inspiring for you, please share it with a friend and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. It means so much and helps these episodes reach even more listeners. My guest today is Maria Bousquet. Maria is the flow whisperer, a sought-after coach for musical performance and personal development. Originally starting out as a pianist in Barcelona, she established herself in Berlin after her studies, discovering historical performance in music and changing to harpsichord as her first instrument. A keen and fast learner, she kept adding qualifications to her career, such as bodywork for musicians and reflection techniques like transparent communication. Today, she is focused on her online teaching and coaching practice. She has given workshops and lectures for musical institutions, as well as leading co-training in corporate environments about embodiment and expressing oneself fully on stage. She has given workshops and lectures for musical institutions, as well as leadership, co-training in corporate environments about embodiment and expressing oneself fully on stage. In 2020, she successfully crowdfunded the publication of her first book, Alles im Flow, Die Kunst ein musikalischer Leben zu führen, Flow with the Music, an innovative and authentic book based on her popular email column, The Flow Letter, and inspired by the exchange with her readers. She is well-versed in social media and offers a weekly column on her website. I was thrilled to have Maria on because of her unusual story about how she published her book. And as a counterpoint to different ways to be visible online and what it means to share the story, not only of your work, but also share the process of getting your work published all along the way and making each step of the process of putting a book out visible. This was such a fun conversation and I'm thrilled to share it with you. It's my pleasure to introduce Maria Bousquet. Hey, Maria, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Caroline. I'm really, really glad to be with you. It's so funny. We were saying just before we started how funny it is to record when we're both in Berlin. And (laughs) and normally I'm recording people who are not in Berlin, but I'm like, oh, hello from across the city. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) From across the city. (laughs) Exactly. So I am really excited to have you on for so many reasons, but Mm. one of which is... The challenge, you have both the, the gift, I suppose, the blessing and the curse of an overabundance of languages that you can work in. You know, I mean, you're the only person I think I've ever had on who has three language choices on their website, for example. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, this is Europe, but I'm like, oh, do I want to read this website in Spanish, English, or in German? 
kind of amazing. But about that, I mean, not all versions of my website are, let's say, up to date because uh, two and a half years ago, I decided to go only full for German. And until that point, I was translating everything and it was such a, such work as a, Incredible. So I decided just to focus on the German so that the English and the Spanish side, there there are blog articles and everything, but it's a little bit like time machine. <laughs> you go you go back in time how it was with me two years ago. <laughs> I can't believe it. You translated all of it yourself. Who, who, who else should do it? <laughs> Good point. Good point. That's exhausting. It, it was. It was also newsletters. Then I started, I separated my English German into, and, and from the Spanish, like I had the Spanish and the English German people. And then in the end, I decided to really go full for the German people and it's paid really off. So, I mean, it's not something I would recommend anyone. Like, in fact, I get these questions a lot like, oh, should I, you know, do both languages? I, but I think, you know, when you focus on one language, you're, you're much more focused on that audience and then you have much better results, I get, I guess. It was for me like that. If nothing else, you would have more energy to to write more things because <laughs> yeah, you're not exactly. spending all of your time translating the same work. Exactly. That's what happened. Yeah. I was focusing on creating, generating more articles and more ideas and more texts instead of um, translating everything. Yeah. So the other thing I'm excited about is that you have really used visibility in a very conscious way, like putting yourself out there. And you're also, you're writing nonfiction and you're a teacher and a coach. And so your writing has been in service to that work, which is something we haven't talked about recently on the show. And I know many people are in that category. So I'm interested in, if you can say a little bit about how you've made your work more visible online, in particular over the past couple of years that led to a really wonderful process of putting your book out, but I'll save mm -hmm. that for after we talk about the first part. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was a very conscious decision. Well, everything with me is like very kind of deliberate and very intentional. So I was not on Facebook until 2019. At all. Maybe not at all. Maybe some people cannot believe it, but I wasn't at all. I like, I don't like Facebook. I don't like, you know, I mean, I don't want to be in touch with people I, I knew 20 years ago. Sorry for them. I, like, I appreciate you a lot, but I don't have to, to be in touch with everyone, right? We don't have the bandwidth for that. So, but then I, I was realizing, okay, I want to really take my business off. And I saw it like, okay, let's try this. I mean, what can I lose? I was on Twitter and I had made really a really nice connection. So I really like Twitter for like for professional connections, but I wasn't on Instagram and I wasn't on Facebook. So I, which are the two main channels, which people use right now, depending on your industry. So I got on Facebook beginning of 2019. And then in May, 2019, I got on Instagram as well. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I've been kind of, I, I just, I, I was just, being on social media on these two channels just for personal connection, just to connect with people and not to sell my stuff. I wasn't even promoting a lot of my articles or my texts or such, uh, or my courses, but just to in, just to interact with people, being in groups, being helpful, and just being there, just being present, like being a presence in groups. Like I've used groups a lot in a sense to to um, to be a kind of guiding light for some people. Like when you have a useful answer, you just give it and people are thankful. And that's everything that I did for, I don't know, for one year. 
one whole year. I mean, I was working for sure and, and giving courses and everything, but I was kind of building something up and then like befriending people that I, I thought were kind of um, resonated with me. Like I don't accept like all friend requests. I like, I'm very intentional about that really. And I'm, I'm on Facebook, not for private reasons ever. So I don't use it for private communication also. So, and that's also, it's been easier to create boundaries around Facebook. Like I just switched it on in, in the sense, I don't have it even on my phone. I have it on my computer. I go in, I, I check the messages, whatever. And then I go away. I don't use it, you know, for, for private recreation or something. So it has been, it has made, I think it easy for me to use it as a tool instead of as something that is part of my life. And I want to get away from or something like that. And so it was a, uh, for a long time. And then Instagram was something very similar. I just, you have, you know, other things to do there and I just go in and go on. And right now I don't have the Instagram app even on my phone for, I don't know, the, the last five weeks. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, I haven't been posting either, but when I post, like my people really like my stuff. So I, I don't have the feeling that I get, how do you say, like downsized or downgraded? Or, oh yeah. Like that you're less visible or the algorithm yeah. is punishing you or whatever. Yeah. I don't get punished by Instagram. <laughs> it, this doesn't happen. <laughs> so yeah. So this is how I go with, with, and this visibility, especially since uh, COVID hit, mm-hmm. I started, like I had a very, because I had already started to work online with, with my, my uh, music teaching and my um, music coaching. I decided to give this knowledge that I have to people that were just, you know, uh, kind of falling apart. Like, what should I do? And I just gave a webinar on my Facebook page and like created a group. Let's, let's gather all the information and let's be, you know, useful for each other. Let's support each other. And this is what gave me also a lot of visibility. Like the fact that I, I was helping people to overcome this challenge of getting online as a musician. I think that's so important because we think we we have to go on and be like a talking billboard, you know, and that mm-hmm. this is really exhausting. And I find it's also not appealing to writers or creative types. I get mm-hmm. it too. I'm just like, okay, I've got to post something. But when when I'm able to think of it as a way to be helpful, it does make it easier because then it's not about me. It's about what it can do for other people. Yes. Exactly. Like you're just there and um, people see you like, or in my case, um, they, they were just in contact with me and just, oh, Maria, what do you think about that? And oh, um, this group is so helpful. Like people were sharing my group and the other groups. So, and this has grown very organically. I, I had like the first two weeks, it was like 200 people. Uh, but then it's grown since one year, it's grown to 500, over 500, like very, very slowly. And I really like that because the culture we have in this group, like it's really, really unique and people f- feel very safe posting there and commenting, which is, I think, uh, no, sm- no small feat in Facebook. Like when you have the feeling like you can really comment away without having to fear a shitstorm about anything you just miss kind of misspelled or something like somebody got, I don't know, how, how do you say, like somebody got um, um, angry at you because you said something that uh, um, uh, that they felt attacked by or whatever. So this doesn't happen in my group. People are really nice to each other. I think that's, a, that's so important is that, you know, there is this troll culture that can happen online where people have like nasty comments and having to deal with safety, but I think if you build the community and if you're 
visible not only about your own work, but about the values and atmosphere you want to create, then it can only, I don't know, it feels like it pulls in the people that are happy to be there. Yeah, you just, that's one, because you're visible with your leadership. That's what I, you know, like I'm, I'm visible as a leader, but not exactly about my work, but just as a leader in itself for the community. Like you said, representing values and representing kind of a, a way to, to interact with each other. And I don't put my work front and center. I don't even promote myself so much in my own group. I have one every, yeah, every week I have a post where people can just, you know, write their stuff, link their, I don't know, whatever they're working on their YouTube videos, whatever, and, and make promotion for their courses, whatever. I, I don't uh, I don't even participate there and I don't even you know promote I when I have you know a webinar or something like two or three times a year of course I will invite people from there but in the rest it's just about interacting with each other just hanging out just really hanging out which is really nice so what did you call the group at the beginning like how did you frame this because it's it's sort of not the way that people think they need to do it. They think that I need to teach something. I need to have a concrete thing. I got to have a plan. But so how did you frame it when you first invited people in? So I invited people in from this webinar that I gave on my Facebook page, like, a, you know, my, um, um, how do you say? <laughs> just, I just have the German words. <laughs> um, like, like my, my open, öffentlich, um, like my open Facebook page. Right? Yeah, like, like a public like public, exactly, public Facebook page so that everyone could watch, even people that were not on Facebook. And then in the end, like everybody was like so helpful. And this video got 3000 views in the first two weeks. Wow. Like kind of, for me, it's kind of going viral because I don't work with these kinds of numbers. And um, so, and then it, after, like on at the end of the video, I, let, I said, okay, so I will create a group. Let's be there and let's, you know, gather information and we can just uh, be there together. And uh, and then I started also, you know, to to categorize all the posts and blah blah blah. And that's that's that was the premise. Just let's uh, let's go together and let's uh, let's go through this together. It's called the warm. I don't know how to translate it from German, but the warm support group for musicians. Oh, this is the name of the group. I love it. <laughs> is it gemütlich? Is it is there gemütlich? It's herzlich. Herz, oh, I, it's, it's like, like warmly, a heartfelt. Right? How, yeah, heartfelt, but it's it's more like yeah. It, yeah, it sounds a little bit wooey 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 uh, in English, but it's it's for from the heart support yeah. group for musicians. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I love how German is really good at those kinds it's of not, cozy, friendly yeah. concepts. Yeah, <laughs> um, I love that about it. So this is really, I think that this is something that's helpful for people to know is that, I mean, we have people who just don't do social media and, and sort of aren't visible in that way. And there's also people who do it, but they feel like it has to be a, a solely kind of business focus, but this can actually be something that's just a space you enjoy spending time in. Yeah. I mean, you can actually, it's, it's a tool you can do anything you want with it. It's like everything, right? So, yeah. so I think, it, I, like now hearing it back from you, I realize this is something somehow innovative, even maybe, like to not have a like a business. Of course, I have a business purpose in the sense I am on Facebook for my work, yes. But I'm not going to sell to people. Facebook is there for me to create connections, and if people want to come to me, yes, I'm here. They know how to find me, right? 
Yep. <laughs> and and this went on. So this conversation continued, you know, and yeah. and and you teach musicians and you coach musicians and you help them to feel healthy and comfortable in their in their practice. And so this led to your book, which was also a really <laughs> friendly community collaborative and transparent process. Yeah. So can yeah. you share how the book came to be? Who? So is that a big question, but no, yeah, well, yes, yeah, I think, <laughs> but in summary, it's, I started when I finished my, um, my certification for the work that I'm doing, um, 2014, I decided, okay, I need to start writing a blog because I have so many ideas in my head. I need to kind of put them topic wise together. And I don't know, just to understand my own ideas and my own experiences I had, it was very intensive. And it, this work is very, very, it's profoundly transformational. Even like in the first half hour, it's, it's amazing. And people come and you, they have questions for all their life. And in one hour, you can solve so many questions they have for their life. It's just crazy. And, um, so this is what the main focus was. And then I started writing and then I was sending those articles to my email newsletter. I was building up the email newsletter and then um, people were replying. And so it, it was very much, you know, a back and forth discussion, right? With people were sending me links. What do you think of this? And they still do, right? Oh, Marie, I thought about you. This is the link and this is why. And, um, and then uh, I, I somehow it was very natural for me at some point to somehow think about a book. This, this started like five years ago. And then last year I had kind of the I, one, <laughs> I wrote an article and then one of my students, she wrote back, she said, Oh, Maria, this is this article, you, this piece you wrote, this really reached me. This really touched me what you wrote. And I, I replied, you know, my dear, I wrote it for you actually. <laughs> <laughs> because it was true. I was thinking about her when I wrote it. And then she replied, oh, Maria, this would, it would be so amazing to have one book with all of your great, amazing ideas. So I can just, you know, open it up whenever I need anything and just look it up. <laughs> and this was kind of the, the seed of this book was kind of the, during this email interaction, like one and a half years ago. And then during the summer last, no, sorry, like 2019, 2019. And then in the summer 2019, I did this process of deciding what kind of the structure would be and gathering all the existing articles and deciding which ones I would keep, keep and which ones I would write new. And then I left everything for over a year. I left it standing. I had, you know, some papers, left them in a corner, didn't even think about it. I wanted to kind of make the process of the book something that I do like every month something and you write here and there. But I, had, you know, I was giving a lot of courses. It was COVID, so I couldn't kind of focus on anything. And then I, I did this launch for my last, for my flow seminar, which is my course that I give in the fall. It, um, so it starts in September. So after, so in the beginning of September, I'd finished my launch and I thought, okay, so what will I do with the rest of the year? Will I, will I finish this book? <laughs> yes or no? Uh, like if, if I do it, I knew what I knew is um, I wanted to finish it before Christmas so people would buy it for Christmas. It's a, a really nice book to gift to someone. 
many, many people have gifted it to someone. And then I built it everything around that. Like I, I did a crowdfunding and even, I don't even like crowdfundings myself, but I thought <laughs> I would just try it <laughs> because I mean, what can I lose? And I have so many courses to offer. And so I, I combined it with courses. And so people could sign up for my courses and then get books for free and buy in bulk and everything. And, and so, and, and this was the process. Like it was a very much, um, I wasn't even promoting on social media and anything because I didn't have time because all my time went to writing the last 30% of the book, editing the book, hiring people, hiding my, hiring my editor, hiring an illustrator. Like I kind of got the idea. I want to have illustrations on the book for every chapter one illustration. They're really beautiful. <laughs> they are really beautiful. So I hired this person. She amazing. So this was the only person I thought, okay, if I want like only her, she can do it. Um, and then a, um, a book designer that that finally gave it its appearance. So it was all we all were working at the same time. And be, I was at the same time I was giving my course to fifty five people. I was delivering right. my course, right? And then at the same time I was writing, editing the the old stuff, writing the new stuff. <laughs> Deciding on the illustrations, many of the illustrations came from ideas from me. And then I, I was also deciding on the look of the of the appearance of the book. I was designing it with the with the um, designer, so it was like crazy, crazy. And um, deciding on the printer because I I knew I wanted to you know do everything myself, not to earn the money, but just to make the best and the most beautiful book possible. Like it looks really beautiful and it feels. I, I use. Now we can go into really nerdy details. Oh yes, I use <laughs> I use the Munken paper, which probably everyone will know. That's it's kind of the most amazing paper on earth, <laughs> and it's so silky soft. It's it's called Munken Links. Mm. So it's a it's a it's it's not the they're, they're usually a little bit like yellow. So it's kind of the whitest without being like blue. It's kind of quite white. Mm. And since I wanted. It, not to see through with the illustrations, I, you know, like I wanted really to to the illustrations to pop. And we had like some pages which were full in color and like this blue color. I decided to go for 120 grams of paper. Wow. Yeah. Like it's, you know, kind of, you feel it, you, it doesn't even feel like an uncoated paper, this, this paper, mm. right? Because it's so, so silky soft, so amazing. And um, yeah, so I basically, it was, during lockdown, like, so I was doing everything, like planning the book, writing my emails, one weekly email. That's the only thing I could write, right. Oh, to yeah. promote the book to my list, but all everything else, like nothing. And then, and then in the end of October. So I German just want to hold on. Yeah. So <laughs> you decided you were going to go for it in September. Yes. For the book to be ready for people to purchase in December of the same year. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. And I was like, wowza. Yes. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it was, <a>, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. <laughs> I know, so but I know was, you did it. I'm talking to I you did it. having pulled this off, which is so <laughs> I, amazing. I totally, pulled, I totally pulled this off. So it was the first conversations to hire people and to even dig up my archives, like my little notes and blah, blah. It was like the second week of September. Wow. And the book was delivered like to my house on 9th of December. I was holding the book in my hands. A thousand books. That is incredible. Yeah. 
So how did you do the crowdfunding part? Mm. Because I think that this, I think we understand intellectually it's possible. And since you had writing, you know, you weren't writing this from zero. There was, there was a portion of the writing was complete and you were reworking. So that makes it a little bit less terrifying, but only a little. <laughs> so were you were crowdfunding in the sense that you would then be able to hire the designer and, and source the paper and everything based on that, or this was your investment? It was like, hmm, let's see. The the biggest investment would not were not going to be the designer or mm-hmm. the illustrator. Not even not even the 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 corrections. How do you say the editor? Mm-hmm. The biggest investment would be the printing because yep. I wanted an offset printing. Mm-hmm. And what I was going to say is, I was th- I was looking about different printers. One in uh, the Czech Republic and one in Germany. And I think I would have gone for the Czech Republic, to be honest, because of price. It's kind of, I don't know, half, or I don't know, <laughs> half the price for the same thing or something like that. I don't remember the day. I, I, please don't take me uh, on uh, up on that. But um, yeah, so I decided to crowdfund because the only thing that I would have to like, like the thing that, that tipped the scale was always going to be the printers. Mm-hmm. And so... I decided um, to pre-sell the book. So I built it everything else. I, I built up everything around the fact that you either you buy the book now or you wait whenever, whenever <laughs> a, a publisher will, will take the book on. Mm. Yeah, because I want this book to be published, which has not happened at this point, but I have an agent which is looking who is looking at, at that right now. Um, but I always like my, my aim was always to get published. Um, but the main uh, objective of my book is to get, get more known between uh, like among people. Right. And a book is something you can really just give to someone. It's not a big investment. It's not a big commitment. You just give it. It looks nice. It mm, smells nice. So it's, it's something nice to give to people. So I want it to be an easy gift and I want it to and, and I wanted it now. And that's why I decided to go to for self-publishing without an ESPN number. I didn't use ah. an ISBN number because I, I realized, you know, I got, you know, informed with people that I talked up, talked with that the moment you give yourself an ISBN number, the book has kind of come out mm. and then it's less interesting for the publisher to take it on. Interesting. So, yeah, that's, I mean, this is how I think it works in Germany. I don't know how it works in other countries. So I decided to not put ESPN number on it. So just, <laughs> just the book. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, this way I would keep my options open as much as possible. And I would have only sold thousand books. So, but I didn't know at that point how many books I would sell. I wanted, I had to get 500. So mm-hmm. I put like all the bulk packet, all the packages on the crowdfunding. Um, and I based my crowdfunding on, um, this guy, he's called Craig Maud. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally you know love this guy? Craig yeah. Mann. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. Craig is amazing. And I had followed his own crowdfunding for his own book, which he did uh, himself too. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, this is this is cool. It was kind of, it was in July, August, same year. 
Like it was, I'm very much low. Oh, I will do this. If Craig is doing it, I will do it like Craig. And this is like open source. I have already a Shopify shop. This is a template for a Shopify shop. Wonderful. So just walk, he walks, he even recorded a half hour tutorial, how to do it yourself. <laughs> it's amazing. You don't have to do anything. Just do whatever he said. And then, um, and then obviously I linked everything and I translated it into German. Like you can, it's very easy if you know a little bit of code, which I do. And then, um, and then I, I published it and I got in the first two weeks, which I, I gave people only two weeks to decide mm, smart. in the sense, either you buy it now or not, because I had to order the book and I had to know how many books I have to order. So um, it was two weeks and I sold about 760 books. Wow. Yeah. In two weeks. That's incredible. Without no promotion, not, not a big no, no campaign on social media, just posting like once or twice a week. And many people were sharing my stuff. I was asking my, uh, people to share. I was celebrating my milestones. People were celebrating with me. So this is what helped. This was totally a community effort. I, get, I didn't, I, when, I, when I sent the, the email, like the email where I was, you know, saying, okay, you can buy it now. I said, this might not be the right time, but it is the right book. Mm. And People were like, oh, Maria, this is absolutely the right time for exactly this book. And I was so, so touched. And it was so, I don't know, it's, it's as if they were kind of giving me back what I gave them like half a year earlier when COVID hit and everything. It was just, I, I get, you know, very emotional about that because it's, this is really totally community effort. And without this community, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yep. I think and, this uh, is so special. It's so special because I think we we have all of these programmed beliefs that it's very difficult to put a book a book out. It's very difficult to to make it work. It's very like we have all of these long lists of it's very difficult to do all of this. And I love this story so much because it's, you know, if you make it easy for people to benefit from your doing what you're doing and you don't ask for anything, people really respond to that. Yep. And I think you said something very important to make it easy for them to say yes. Mm. Like I made it very easy. I, I mean, when I, when I look at my numbers, I mean, the, the, we can, we can talk about budget, like the budget for this book, like I didn't do a budget. It just added up. Right. <laughs> and like, yes, especially you spend money and then you spend <laughs> one more money and no. eventually there's a total. <laughs> In this case, well, like I said, I, I, everything was, was going to tip with the printers uh, budget. Yeah. Right. And when Germany decided to uh, announce the second lockdown in the beginning of November, and I sent my email on the October 30th, Wow. And yeah, exactly. It's just, okay. So it was, it had been announced two days earlier and I was like, this is not the right time for this, but it is the right book. That's why I said it. Yeah. And, um, uh, lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> my head. It's okay. I think we were on the budget and the things adding up. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why that was the point where I decided I have to print in Germany because I cannot risk that if I print in the Czech Republic and they might close the borders, which they had done already, I mean, it had happened. So I had to, I had to, I had to decide to go for the, like the highest quality product and also that my clients get my book. Like, otherwise I couldn't promise them to get the book. So I had them printed in Germany. That's why the, the budget like 
rose <laughs> to like it exploded and um <laughs> and so in total the budget is about 14 and a half thousand euro mm -hmm. if i count like everything everything also like fulfillment and everything mm -hmm. and um i sold in the crowdfunding 760 books and then i decided to run it up to To a thousand. That was my order. What thousand books? Because I realized, okay, so you can also like the price for the normal sale. I, I told we're talking about making it easy for people to decide. I was selling in bulk for like 13 euros a piece mm -hmm. or 14 euros a piece, like for the book. Like it was easy to say yes to a 14 euro book, right? Yeah. The price, the normal price, the the yeah, the price which was after the crowdfunding, after the first two weeks rose to 25 euro okay right but since i had you know sold it to a lower price the, because if if we cut it down it's it's like 15 euros per book mm -hmm. actually the price for the book should be 30 mm -hmm. actually it but to be and to be for me to be earning anything it should be 40 mm -hmm. but it's 24 25 and i'm making like at, at this point i'm making four euro profit from each book Mm -hmm. which is okay at the end yeah. it's okay so in the end i've made in the end i, I will have made about a thousand euro from the whole project right well, this my earnings my own earnings as an author is a thousand euro yeah i mean so you're gonna buy a house with it right right <laughs> <laughs> maybe two <laughs> exactly two little doll yeah. houses um but the the thing the thing was just to finish is um I never was putting anything at risk because I had some cash from my launch. So I knew I can afford it. And if I have to pay a little bit, I will. But then the crowdfunding made it easy then to, I, to say, okay, I will be at zero or a little bit of gain. Yeah. And I think it's important to know that there are plenty of reasons to put a book out. And for most of us, making a ton of money off of that exact book is not the main reason. If making money was our main objective, we would be on an entirely different show talking about an entirely different topic. That the reason to put a book out is like you said, is you wanted the information available for people and that that benefits you in completely different ways in terms of people becoming interested in courses or working with you or other things. So I think knowing the goal of the book helps you decide how the book needs to, to happen. Exactly. It's monumental to know it also because you, then you can decide, okay, was this thing, was this project successful or not? Like for me, my success was, okay, I get a thousand copies. Like I sold a thousand copies of the, I, I have like, at this point I have like 47 left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's still some. Um, and then My other goal was to um, kind of get more known, which I am, and to set the pace so that uh, so that the um, publisher can publish the book, which is also happened because I was approached by an agent. I have an agent now. So exciting. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I never like looked for an agent, but you know, I, I sent some emails and some people like sent emails to their own lists about my book. And from one of these people, um, it got to this agent. And then he uh, asked for the connection, like to, for me to write him because he was interested. And, um, and then we had a conversation in November and he said, 
Uh, Miss Bousquet, this sounds very, very interesting, but now your book has to deliver on the promise. <laughs> and I said, yes, I will send you a free coffee, no problem. And then I, I so all the books were shipped around the, the yeah, 11th of December. So they got uh, for Christmas, they got a right for Christmas. And, uh, and then we talked in the beginning of January again, and he signed me for two years. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that's a thing. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> this is a completely new thing also, because when you do normally, the normal process, at least in quotes I'm doing, is that you write a book proposal and then pitch that to an agent. You get an agent, they sell it, then you put the book together and the whole thing happens with the publisher. But this is a really such a fascinating model because you're able to say already that people bought it. Like people want this book. They have in fact purchased this book. You know, I sold 768 copies on an email list in two weeks. So I think people like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, in the, as a matter of fact, I know that there's, there was a, um, a gap for this book. There is no such book in the world. Like, you know, an inspirational book for musicians that really talk about music from the inside, from a musician in a way like it's really, really approachable and with a lot of tips and ideas and inspiration. And so many people wrote to me, like I like I knew it before and I told the agent that like, there's no such book as this, like this, there's really a place for this book. And many people were writing to me like, oh, Maria, I would have needed your book 30 years ago. Like, like I get this a lot. Like, where were you when I was studying <laughs> 30 years ago? But so many people, like, they had tears in their eyes. They, they felt so understood. They, they, you know, this kind of, it moved people so, so much that, like, I knew it before and it was validated also through my blog. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. I, I didn't, like, just start and wrote a book. And that's good. So I've, I've been writing for six years previously. And I know what my people want and I know what I want. And I we want to talk about this, these topics. So that's why I wrote this book. And also to give people like this COVID like aside, um, music is to, to perform music is, is no small feat. It's just really, really hard work. And it's, it's a kind of, it's a really tough life, but very, very rewarding. And you, you give people like this little bits and pieces of, of, I don't know, of trust, of, um, of hope, like music can give us so much uh, solace and, and, you know, so many feelings you can just express through music. And um, this is what we can give people. And that's why I, I wrote the book because I wanted to remind people why it's so worth it to be a musician. Mm. It's a work worth doing. Yes. And I have this image as I'm thinking about this book of that you you put the care and energy into it to make it a beautiful object and so now that beautiful thing is sitting in all of these places and I'm thinking of it sitting next to instruments all over and that I mean you know in the future when we go to each other's houses more that people will be able to see this book there and I on the one hand I think that something about COVID made this possible but I also I can see forward sort of in my imagination of how it would have spread even further. I think if people were naturally, like if they were rehearsing together in each other's spaces and one of them had the book and all of the ways that I can just see that it will explode in yeah. the future. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's what I was envisioning. I was envisioning the book like to be like I also when I thought about the book as an object, I also designed it in a way. That I don't know how it how it's called in German in in English. It's called it has klappe. You know, you can. Oh, it has. Um, yeah, it has the. Oh man, I'm so um, <laughs> <laughs> in there. It's a, an overleaf. It's like a there's a there's a fold. It's the yeah. kind of cover, so you can yeah. It's, it's a cover with a leaf, yeah. Fold on both sides, so so it's yeah. kind of protect the inside. The pages are kind of a little bit protected, yeah. And it's a soft cover, so I wanted. Um, and the spine is not bound; like the spine mm-hmm. is free. So I wanted it to be easy to use and to just put it in your like toss it in your bag, right, when you're going to the rehearsal, and just put it in your violin case or whatever. Like it's just you know that's what I was envisioning for the book, and I think it's very, um, it's very important that I like even as a vision exercise, but I was, it wasn't that I wanted to attract the book. No, no. I was just, you know, I want, how do I want people to use this book? And that's how I designed it. Mm. So great. I think one last thing I want to share is that you not only made it visible sort of leading up to that, but in the process of producing it, can you say a little bit about that process of making the sort of milestones once the book was into production and how you shared with everyone how it was going? That was also quite transparent, wasn't it? Yeah, I was basically, I was just sharing whatever was happening that week. Uh, For example, when I had the first discussions with the printer before, you know, like in September, he asked me, and I don't know again the word, maybe you will help me, um, Miss Buske, do you have a Gabelstapler? Can you can you help me? Like this is kind do of this thing. A in the, fork stapler. It's, like a, it's kind of this fork thing when when supermarkets get this big delivery of big oh, groceries. Oh, a forklift. And, a forklift. forklift. So yes. and he he asked me. So do you have a forklift? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm like, excuse me. So this was my my in my um, flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yes, of course I have one. Like so my subject line is. Do you have a forklift? <laughs> because it was so so crazy to get this kind of questions, and um, that's what I was um, the whole time. I was uh, taking people through it. So when I was in production, I, actually there was not much to do except, um, yeah, what was there? So when I when I, I remember sharing the the first book pages like without they sent you the first book pages without them being bound. Mm. I don't know how the, how you call them. I, yeah, they, just like they, proof they, pages or yes. I'm, like from the real printer, right? Yep. Some, mm-hmm. some real printer. So to take one one of each um, package. I'm sorry, I mm-hmm. don't know. The one. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> but you know, you, you print in in in, in sheets. So yes, mm-hmm. one one each of, of each sheet, and then they without binding, they send it just to you yeah. via UPS. And and I was oh my god, I was leafing through this. I was oh my god, this is crazy. And then and then you give your okay. And so I, I was sharing it also a little bit on stories and social media. I also did, um, I did a, a um, lecture. Do you, no, it's not lecture. It's lesung, it's um, reading. Like a reading. Mm-hmm. I did a Facebook reading and doing the crowdfunding too to get a little bit more sales and and stuff this this was really also very nice received and i did also um a facebook live about the book it's design with the designer mm-hmm. together we were to- totally nerding out because i'm a designer <laughs> at heart and he, he was monumental in helping me be- make this book also a better product like he was amazing like helping me to decide which 
which phrases I would stick out and everything. And he's like, it was such a wonderful collaborative experience together. Like I want to do all my books only with him <laughs> because, <laughs> because I felt so understood. And he was kind of finishing, we were finishing each other's sentences. He was, no, he was doing what I was thinking. Like, could you, and he had already done it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was so satisfying to work with him. And so we nerded up on, on this Facebook Live too. And this is what I was mostly like talking about during that time between until, yeah, until everything was kind of finished. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so happy that, that we got to speak about this because I think it's so important for people to hear different ways you can make a book happen. There isn't just one way to do it. Yeah. And I hadn't really, you know, I, I'm very personal with, like I said in the beginning, I'm very intentional about everything. And I, I had just a very clear idea of what I want to happen. And I just, try, I mean, it could have, it could have gone, you know, that nobody buys the book. It, it could have happened. I mean, I didn't know until I sent this email and then the first sales started rolling in and I was like, oh, <laughs> but I didn't know, like you never know. So you, I just did it and it could have gone wrong or turn out, you know, a failure, but it didn't. So, but it, you just have to do it just to find out if you can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, well, I think you, you knew your people well enough. Yeah. You knew what mattered to them. Yeah. So you had that relationship and then you created something you thought they would love. Exactly. And it was the right time, like before Christmas, because people are more likely to buy books for gifts, etc., for Christmas. Right. So it, I kind of, that's why I rushed everything a little bit. It was very rushed um, because I wanted to use the Christmas time. So it was a kind of a big vortex of timing, of relationship, of circumstance that helped me. Um, but you can use any circumstance to your favor, I believe. Like it was in the middle of lockdown and I thought, oh, maybe people will not want to spend money, but they did. And not yeah. to, you know, not to be nice to me. They really wanted the book. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think depending on the circumstances, you can frame things and, and tailor things so that they work. Yeah, it's all about framing. Exactly. Thank you so, so much. It's been a treat. Thank you, Caroline, for having me. It was amazing. It was my first podcast, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.